Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Local government is where you will find candidates who have had a calling to represent an electorate they have a deep passion for. Today we are joined by an individual who calls Lane County home and takes pride in the 541 community. Joining us next on the Spent the Rent podcast, candidate for mayor in Eugene, Oregon, Thomas Huda. Welcome to the Spent the Rent podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is a candidate for mayor in Eugene, Oregon, Thomas Huda. Huda? Huda. Huda. Yeah. Huda. Huda. I, I'm so bad with it. It's perfect. This is great. It happens all the time. I would imagine. And it's funny because I'm pretty sure I got it right on the intro that I recorded for the audio only of this episode, but I shit the bed on this one. Ooh, way to plug the audio for the video listeners. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, thanks for doing this. This is really cool. You had reached out to me. Uh, you told me that you had listened or watched the Doyle Canning interview that I did. And you also have a podcast. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And you interviewed her as well, which is really cool. Uh, that one, your, your, our styles are so different. And we'll get into that later. Right. Nice. But, nice. But Thomas, yeah, thanks awesome. for, she's yeah, good people. She is great. And so, thanks for doing this. Uh, you are running for mayor of Eugene, and what a full list of, of candidates. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, as we go on. And Totally. Really diverse crowd, which is cool. A really eclectic crowd. I think it represents the community well, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, citizen candidates for mayor, you know, for people that don't understand, mayor is a volunteer position. I think there's a small stipend. I'm sure you're not. $24,000 stipend. $24,000. Yeah, same as what the city council gets. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's, it's not it's part-time volunteerish. Yeah, and so I mean it is paid, but still that's that's not very good and you're an educator by trade, right? You're Yeah. So that's a little bit even less than a teacher makes. <laughs> oh like, yeah, it's it's still significantly less than a teacher makes. A teacher, you know, Doyle wants to give 60k a year at minimum across the US for public school teachers. Um and that's great, but even then like if you calculate it by hour and how much time you're actually spending thinking about your kids and thinking about what your lesson planning and and it's 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 still terrible pay <laughs> yeah. if you think about it like that you have to abandon the notion of i'm getting paid for how much work i'm doing and it's more like i'm getting paid uh and i'm living and i'm doing everything i can to help these young people like right that, it's a lifestyle you have to reframe i mean getting it. Yeah, in, absolutely it, it's a lifestyle it's like you know there's so much that goes into being a teacher extracurricular like time you know uh obligations like going to concerts and all that stuff to to show that you care about your students depending Absolutely. on what age, age group you work with but it's a lifestyle that you sign up for so sixty thousand would be very i think that's 
I don't know about fair. We're not going to use that word, but I think that that would be good <laughs> because at least then it's something where that, you know, people can live a comfortable life anyway. So running for mayor, this is really cool. One thing that people, I don't know what it is in people's minds, but they have this image of what a politician should be. And especially on a national level, that makes kind of more sense because they're bought and paid for by corporations. But on a local level, it's kind of interesting because people are like, why is this guy running? You know, it's like, uh, I'm not going to say who it was one of your opponents. I was talking to yesterday in messenger and he kind of made a snide comment was like a rapper running for, for mayor. And and I'm like, I'm like, first, first of all, I'm a rapper too. Second of all, (laughs) second of all, the facts that you do something for fun, making music. And that's another thing we'll touch on later. We're going to play one of your songs. I thought, I think it's just funny the way that people look at that. But to me, you were, I, I did some research on you and I believe that you're qualified for the position because you did go to Columbia university. Mm-hmm. You work as an educator for grad school mm-hmm. and you know, and a master's degree. I mean, this is, you know, so people might take you not, not take you seriously because you're aloof and kind of goofy and fun. <laughs> but and I, young, just, I would be 27 and that was, and, and young is I'm a very good point. now. Sure. Yeah. And then, you know, for people, I mean, running a business, I think is, is to a lot of people kind of a prerequisite for a politician today. And yeah. so anyway, I don't want to talk about reasons that people shouldn't vote for you. We're here to, we're here to help <laughs> plug you. But I do think that it's kind of interesting when people uh, have this image in their mind. And, and what do you, I mean, what do you tell people when they kind of look at you and when you say I'm running for mayor, do they think it's like a publicity stunt? I'm losing you right now. I don't know if you can hear me, but all I heard was, I do think it's kind of interesting. And then a dead pause. Okay. We're back. But I asked if, uh, if when, when you tell people that you're running for mayor and you're doing the street, I mean, now obviously it's all remote, but you had some time to campaign before this, uh, executive order for the shutdown. Did, did you kind of feel like people received it pretty well? Or did you get kind of like a, people look at you like, is this publicity stunt? Um, no one's ever explicitly said publicity stunt, but, uh, I, I have definitely had a mixed response and I've had people who, when they get to know me and get to talking to me and hear about my ideas, they are on board and that's where we need to be. You know, I'm ever since COVID-19 happened and we have had to move a lot of our, well, basically all of our campaigning operations to the internet that can work in my favor because, you know, I'm a podcast host. I've been podcasting weekly since December, um, video and audio. And so, you know, this is kind of like the, the race has come to my domain a little bit. Yeah. I've been using my web presence a lot to promote my legitimacy, my credibility. Um, and I think when people hopefully get to especially talk to me one-on-one, but, all, but also hopefully your listeners who will get a sense of me um, on the show, they'll know that um, I, I am a rapper and I'm proud of it, but I'm certainly not um, limited to any one thing that I do in my life. And I'm I have a lot of uh, seven years of policymaking experience uh, as a legislative intern with Planned Parenthood Advocates of Oregon and Oregon League of Conservation Voters. I've actually passed policy at the uh, nicest small college in the Midwest, uh, Carleton College. Uh, And uh, I was a four-year student senator there. I was a college council member. I was approving uh, multi-million dollar science complexes and a performance hall, like building plans alongside administrators. Um, And I know how to get the respect of people who are older than me because I have a track record of succeeding in positions that are typically for people older than me. I've been named the co-chair of faculty working groups and committees. And I've been, there was an inaugural um, campus uh, community conversations project after um, a lot of uh, big news issues kind of cropped up in 2015 and 16 that the school wanted to talk about. Um, So I, you know, pioneered that whole project and we got every single member of the community 
um, students and then a lot of faculty and uh, non-faculty staff literally sitting around in dorm lounges and talking like, you know, like this, like having real right. conversations with one another. Um, so my which is what happens is varied, but yeah. Which is what happens with local government more than on a national scale. You get opportunities to, to deal with your constituents face to face, especially a mayor, because you're at the sure. mercy of the, of your citizens, you know, you're working for them. It's civil service. You know, I do. the funny thing too is that the the mayoral position in Eugene, we have what's called a weak mayor system as opposed to a strong mayor system, and so uh, they have very little power. They they have very little legislative executive power. I just talked to Kitty Piercy. She says you have tools, but you don't have a gavel. You don't have the ability to just speak and something speak a policy into existence. If you want an ordinance to pass, you don't even have a vote on it. So you got to get five votes out of the eight person council, but really you have to get four votes because you can vote in terms of a tie. Um, sure. So uh, yeah, but there's, it's so funny because there have been a lot of people criticizing the incumbent mayor and I am one of them. I try to do it respectfully and appropriately for the situation because I don't think that anybody should just be able to walk into reelection. Um, and one of the prevailing things that um, her supporters will say is don't you recognize that the mayor doesn't have any power? Why are you criticizing her for, not demonstrating, you know, what you think is enough leadership because she doesn't have the executive authority very much. Um, but so that's the funniest thing is that that argument will get spun um, because it's like, oh, why are you young and you think you're qualified to take on all this power? And then when you criticize the mayor for not using her power well, it's like, oh, there's no power in that position. It's just a figurehead thing anyway. Right. So why not put somebody in who um, has the ability to inspire and reach out to a younger generation of people than anybody else on the ticket is uh, able to reach out to um, and who also is able to communicate with, you know, boomers and Gen Xers uh, and the like. So uh, I'm, I'm ready and I'm excited. Yeah. I think that, I think you got something going for you. I think that, you know, there's definitely a future in this because, you know, one thing I, I want to touch on before we I move hope Eugene on from has something going. You know, well, it's, we'll it's, see. A, it's about me, but really we need, we need the best leadership that we can have in That's a fact. the city, all eight seats of the city council and the mayor's office. Yeah. So I want to touch one more thing about the hip hop music. People don't really Wait. understand how it actually can work in politics and in coordinating community. People don't really understand the behind the scenes of what goes on to putting on a show you know, to, oh, yeah. there's so much that, that it does. And then there's the crossover with teaching. I've seen a lot of teachers use hip hop as a teaching tool because they get to a level where the kids are like, oh my gosh, they get me. And then they can, you know, have a respect. And so I think your style, the song that we chose, and we'll talk about it at the end is really good because it, it's powerful, it's positive, it's upbeat, but it's deep, you know? And so anyway, we'll get to that part in a bit. And it's uh, produced by Springfield's, uh, originally Springfield's, now he lives in Portland, Cross K, who used to go by Odar and was a member of the group, The Illusionists. Um, and he, that was the very first beat that he ever sent me for an album I was going to put out. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk about the music awesome. in a bit. There's, there's a lot of crossover between people that you and I both know and have worked with. Uh, at different capacities, which is really cool. Uh, if anybody's interesting, interesting, there's a few interesting people. No, if anybody's interested, uh, you can look up gradient is what you go by. And we'll reference that again in the, in the end of this episode, when we play your song, let's talk about your podcast. So oh, your awesome. podcast is called less stupid with Thomas Huda. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, I just kind of, you were not on my radar. You were outside the bubble barely. And then we kind of were able to cross paths and make this interview happen. 
but I've, I've been doing a little bit of research before this episode and listening to your podcast. And I got to tell you, I'm a fan. I mean, it took me 10 minutes to put you in the top echelon for Eugene podcasters quickly. It's just because of all the money I blew on this fancy mic here. In my That's head. all that it is. The, <laughs> mic, the mic creates the content, you know, but you've done some really cool interviews. There's fun ones, snarky ones, heartfelt ones, <laughs> interviews with local politicians. There's a lot of similarities between what we do and a lot of differences, but I definitely have a lot of respect. So why don't you tell us what the Less Stupid Podcast is all about? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, the first podcast I started was in 2017 with my best friend, Brian Stevenson, and it was called So You're Calling It That, which certainly can reveal how little direction and focus we had at the time on it. Um, and I think I was really caught up in my voice doesn't sound good. Like there's all these ums and uhs. Um, and so I was trying to think about the best way to make a podcast episode not be like a six, seven hour edit um, because I like the really produced kinds of podcasts, but I also really like the unfiltered discussion kind of podcasts that a lot of comedians and musicians do. Um, so I'm trying to take the best of both worlds. Less Stupid is uh, it's open dialogue and conversation with uh, a lot of politicians who and political figures who I ask about music and a lot of musicians who I ask for their takes on politics, yeah. um, get into all sorts of uncomfortable territory and uh, very pro-free speech. So um, that's something I've really enjoyed doing. And uh, because I care deeply about education, um, I always ask people uh, as the, the final question, what's one way we could all be a little less stupid? Um, oh, that's and, cool. Yeah, well, I think it's cool. Uh, it's also abrasive. <laughs> like I, you know, Kitty Piercy was my most recent guest. The episode just went, went out. Um, so look that up, y'all. Uh, but yeah, she basically said, well, she doesn't even like the word stupid. And I was like, well, I knew, I knew you'd probably say that. So I didn't put it in the title of the YouTube video for her um, sure. because I wanted to respect that. I didn't um, notice that. And the interview you did with Kitty Piercy, there was definitely a different tone because, you know, you're talking to somebody that you have respect for and tons you know, of respect. You, you don't I mean, want to grew up in Eugene and she was the sure. mayor for 12 years. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, and I'm the same way, you know, you, you can listen to some of the episodes I've done with some of my friends and it gets sometimes into the weeds. I think people appreciate the, the honesty, but they, there's, there's a point, like when I had Doyle Canning on, I wasn't going to get super snarky. I did like what you did with her because you <laughs> asked her some real questions and you got to see a different side of her that I think is really human. I mean, she's definitely one of us, you know, she's totally, she's just a peer, you know? And so it, it's really cool. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and the a hardworking less... mom and uh, like, she's like one of us, but she also has a deep uh, legal background and understands environmental policy like in and out and has oh a she's a lot less holding stupid. Mon she's, a lot less, to us. she's less stupid than i am i'll tell you that much <laughs> <laughs> so, no no anyway anyways uh uh Me too. The, le the less stupid podcast you can find on all streaming sites uh you know yeah youtube as well so less stupid with thomas huda and there's going to be a link in the show notes to your web to your uh campaign website and that's the word we're trying to drive people today so make sure that it's it's uh huda2020.org h-i-u-r-a 2020.org absolutely and so the link will be in the show notes for that but then you can also look up less stupid podcast on uh all the streaming sites so that's really cool so i want to get a little bit to your your story and your story is pretty incredible you know mm. you can go in and that's kind of the plug for the for the campaign website because your story is written in there and it it reads very true to form of a, of a human, <laughs> unlike, a normal, <laughs> unlike a normal politician. So one of the things that it talks about in 2011 that your father was, was arrested, went to jail. 
Yes. And then you became homeless. And so this well, is well, yeah, much later. He was homeless since 2011. Or he was, was homeless. Sorry, right? Sorry. And he's been home. He's been unhoused since 2011. Um, bless his heart. I sold him a Prius to live out of a few years back, and that was um, a good change for him. But uh, he's got a big trailer, and he's got a place where it's parked, and he kind of bounces around. Um, but um, that's not super. It's a little related to no, how. No, I mean later I became uh, unhoused for solid six month period during this campaign. But um, here I am now in yeah. You know, I could knock on the walls. You could tell it's not a Zoom background where you know I, I accidentally, you know, I green screened it in. This is sure. This is, this is actually a green screen behind <laughs> me. But uh, no, but I I wanted to at least touch on the facts that you have an understanding of the reality of homelessness and homelessness is the number Definitely. one issue. Homelessness is the number one issue in Eugene. That's not even debatable. And so I had a guest on one of my favorite episodes I've ever done like episode 14, I think it was really early on for me with my friend Blair Conrad, who's been on a couple of times talking about her coming back from homelessness to being housed. I guess houselessness is the correct term. Is that, is that true people? But we're not here yeah. to talk about semantics. We're free speech people. I'm yeah. not trying to every, obviously my heart's in the right place. Yeah. You do what you, you do your best and you do what you can. Right. So that I think is really compelling. And I encourage anybody listening to get a more, deep understanding of who you are on your website on and they can reach out to me i've got a contact form you know you can text me anything uh it's yeah it's not a made-up thing it's it's just the reality of where i've been in my life uh and uh how my experiences are colored by some very privileged experiences that i've had uh, in being able to do leadership uh at multiple ivy league schools and blah 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 um, but also some of the very real i mean i think you know kind of uh eugene experiences um, that was, you know, I lived, grew up in North Eugene off river road. Yeah. Yeah. So you did, I, you, I'm so did proud you of where I grew up, North Eugene high school. Yeah. And Kelly middle school and Eugene Gakwen elementary. Now, when your dad was in trouble with the law, how old mm. were you junior year in high school? Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, did you live with both of them, your mom and your parent, your dad? Yes. Yeah, yeah. They, they should have been divorced uh, a lot earlier, but they had this idea that we would stay together for the kids. But they weren't communicating and they were uh, trapped in, you know, passionate disgust for one another. <laughs> and that's not a functional situation. So for quite some time, my dad was not living in the house, uh, but he was living in a trailer in front of the house. Uh, and we had spray painted the whole thing camo because, uh, you know, then nobody could see it, you know, that way. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's good. Um, and uh, I think it might still be on Google Earth. If you look at that house, it might still be there in the images. Wow. Um, but, uh, it was a, it was a interesting, uh, experience for sure. Yeah. Um, one of the things about honestly, having, I think, I think I was, I had to be a peacemaker a lot of the time yeah. in the house, in the house. I, I was going to say that one, having, having grown up in a, we'll call it a dysfunctional home myself. I mm-hmm. think that this has prepared you for politics because <laughs> that's, oh. the, that's the duality we live in today <laughs> is a dysfunctional home. No. Uh, and also my mom is very conservative and my dad's very liberal. See, my and mom that, is I'm, a Japanese a woman who believes deeply that, you know, if a cop says something that it's definitely true. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty middle of the road person on that issue. Uh, I, I actually think I'm probably one of the most conservative people running in terms of my views on public safety and law enforcement, etc. Um, but, you know, I don't believe that every cop is telling the truth all the time. That's just that's just BS. Sure. Uh, and they're human. Whereas beings, my like my us. dad basically believes that nothing that anybody in authority ever tells you is true. <laughs> yeah. So we, they had a very different view of the world and I had to negotiate what that 
what that meant as far as peace in our household quite a bit. So you talked about, I'm not ashamed of it. You talked about your mom growing up. Uh, Is, is the stereotype about Asian moms true? I mean, is she, is she just pretty intense? Dude. Okay. (laughs) When I was a sophomore in high school, I got a geometry grade and, or it might've been spring of my, my freshman year of high school. But the point is I never got anything less than an A in middle school. That's not particularly hard. Middle school is not very challenging. Um, but the first time I got an A minus, you know, I got, I got, I had to eat shit for it. You know, I I got chewed out for that. And that, and that's, that's, I I will say in her defense, like, I love my parents. They're amazing people. And I will say that she never got to go to college and that she kind of, um, fell for my dad at a young age. Uh, and, uh, he was actually her teacher in an adult class for English. Oh, cool. Um, and because she never got to live up to the Japanese expectation of, you know, get the best education that you can. When um, my sister and I were going through school, she really believed that we should have the best opportunities possible, which is why she was so hard on us. Um, it does, it did cross the line into really inappropriate levels, I think, uh, especially, sure. uh, but um, you know, that's, that's well, no, taught me discipline mom, and it's definitely put me in a, your yeah. mom was an immigrant. So the yeah. immigrant experience, I think it's really common that I've picked up on that, you know, when you came from, from nothing and came to this promise of America, you know, that you understand that that could be taken from you. And so you have to take things very serious. And yeah. so I have a lot of respect for it. One of the things that I love about my job being a barber on campus, and I talk about it a lot on the show, is the amount of diversity that I'm able to experience in on a daily basis, both Asian, both Asian Americans, and then people literally in their first week here from China or Japan or Korea, you know, and it's really great because there's, there's common threads now talking to and I don't want to get into stereotypes of I have no concept of what it is to be Asian, but but some of the stereotypes, it's interesting. I only have half a concept. Um, my dad's white, <laughs> but so fair, don't fair. sweat it, man. We're not, no, but I'm I not even at this as a whole integer either. <laughs> no, but I think, I think it's, it's something I've picked up on, and this is just stereotypes, that the Asian American... Well, stereotype Asian, it away. It's Asian American moms are super intense because, you know, it's, it's a little bit different when you've, when you've seen one world and then you live in another one. And so I have yeah. a lot of respect for that. And Tiger I, parents. I think, I think that when it's funny, we got off on this tangent about your parents, but I think one of the things that I can admire about you running for mayor coming from the background that you did is that you understand the normal everyday plight of the average person. And so when you're trying to be a politician representing a community that you take pride in that you love, there's something to look at each individual. And yes, you might be falling off in this current right now, you know, things might be struggling for you but there's something inside of everybody that's positive. And that's what mm. we need in our leaders is not to be mm. like, Oh my gosh, why did like to say about your mom's like, she didn't even go to college. You know, you know what I mean? Right. It's like, whatever, like this is a human being that sure. has, has persevered. So that's really cool. Well, I do talk about everyday people a lot in my campaign because that's kind of where I come from, uh, you know, and uh, in 2011, uh, K did a really uh, a hell of a feature Um they they named me an everyday hero because I had won this uh, chamber of commerce award for the service that I'd done in the school. And I'd bought a lot of school supplies and created a program to give them out to low income students. And um, really my point though, with everyday people is that this is not something that I'm, I'm using the experiences of my fellow working class people and exploiting them and no. making poverty, poverty, P O R N. Um, it, this is just 
I'll tell you for real, Patty, Patty Rose, that the people I've learned the most from are the people sitting on the streets in Kesey Square. You know, um, you chat with those people and they have experiences from all around. And so, you know, I had this amazing duality of being able to chat with those travelers and then also working as a bellhop and a shuttle driver at Graduate Eugene, which used to be Hilton. And it's the premier conference center in the city. So we have, you know, whether it's for fish and wildlife conferences or education conferences or just um, business leaders around the world and the country uh, and athletes, high profile people who want to come and experience Eugene. Um, and you know, that's, that's basically between sixth and seventh. And then you go like three blocks South and you've got the, um, Kesey square where Broadway and, you know, Willamette meet. And, um, it's two often people with different experiences of the world, but, um, equally vibrant and often more vibrant when they're in uh, circumstances where, you know, all they've got is their story and maybe their dog and whatever they're selling on the street. Right. Uh, and th- those, those people have a lot to share. I can relate to that completely. I used to be a bar fly in my early 20s of a bar on West 11th that's gone now. It was uh, called El Dorado. Okay. And, and you said you're 27, so I'm 38. So it's probably gone by the time you were 21. Man, you uh, have so much youthful spirit. At, right. 38. Yeah. You could have come. Yeah. Wow, nice. I'm completely gray from the waist down. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, but... Uh, um, so that place was really interesting for me because there was such a, 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 first of all, diverse group of people. I remember watching the Obama um, inauguration and that there's not a lot of black the people. The first in, one, right? Yeah. The first nobody, one. Yeah. Nobody showed up to the second one. Right. Not <laughs> as many as showed up to see Trump. But anyway, anyways. Uh, oh, no, he had but the th- biggest audience ever. It's right. huge. No, but anyway, so but there was not a lot of black Probably one of the there's... biggest audiences. Okay, sorry. Of all time. No, but there's not a lot of black people in Eugene, right? But there was a very sadly, sadly and as a result of terrible history and racist policy. And that's a whole when we can go get on. into that at a different time. But at that bar, there was a little pocket of of African American people that I got to be really good friends with, and that we were completely different. They were very working class, right? And and not youthful. I mean, older, like 60s, 50s, 60s. And so it was a really okay. cool thing because that was not something I had had an experience to hang out with a group of like 25 black people, right? In Eugene. Mm, and yeah. so th- this is just one example. There was also people from Honduras. There was also people from Mexico. And then there was also a lot of white people that were struggling with drug addictions, like meth and different things. So there's all this just odd a conglomeration. Odd of company, yeah. That really... Like you were talking about uh, just learning from people in Kesey Square that at El Dorado, that was my favorite thing to do is just get drunk and talk to the 60 year old guys and learn a ton (laughs) of stuff about just different perspective. I remember a guy telling me a story. uh, He was from Honduras about his brother being killed by the cartel and how he came over here with an AR-15 through walking with it above his head. And I'm looking at him in the eyes and I'm like, he's telling me the damn truth. Like this is not a made up story, you know? <clears throat> so to Not hear a C story, yeah. No, so to hear the perspective was really interesting. So I want to get back to your campaign. Now, there's a few things on your website for people of my age and up that are going to be like, "What?" You know, it's a little bit shocking, and I want to at least address it. It says on your website, I try to not put it at the very top front, and uh, it's totally I, okay. the value I, of making a good impression is is uh high especially when you've got like you know the register guards basically saying all the six challengers are just little known and don't make a good case for being mayor i'm um, right. trying to trying to make my website presentable while also a good reflection of my myself yeah and I, so so essentially there's something that i have an understanding of uh kind of falls among along 
age lines in this country and in this world and it's an acceptance of uh gender norms right or right. an acceptance it may not be the right word just the conversation of gender norms so mm. on your on your site it says that if elected that you would become the first mayor of color in this in this town's history which is yep. shocking and crazy but oh not at all shocking there, there, <laughs> but yeah a, a little but unfortunate I mean, Dave Chappelle, when I saw him in Eugene at the McDonald Theater, he said that this is a diverse town. There's like 50 shades of white. <laughs> anyway, so, so uh, I, you know, you'd be he's the literally first. one of the greatest and most important comedians of our generation. He's pretty, incredible. by the way, if we could do a whole episode on him, I'd we be can in the future. Down, we'll, but... do, we'll do that. We'll just call it Dave Chappelle. Right. We'll talk about. right. Anyway, so it also says on your website that you, uh, are non-binary and can you explain to yeah. us for people that are, uh, that don't understand what that means? you know so you can see my toes they have um pink polish on them uh that's the easiest way to to just show you what it means like this is this is me and this is who i am and just present myself um and i always like okay i have been openly bisexual since basically the tail end of high school um but there's definitely that sort of erasure of oh well like i know that that person looks like a dude and they keep dating people that look like they're not dudes. So you're not queer or whatever. Um, and so it's, it, when I think about being non-binary, um, I think that I'm in many cases sort of anti-binary. Yeah. That's how I, I picked see, it up. Yeah. I don't see the world as being in a political binary. You know, I uh, re-registered as a Democrat in order to have Doyle Canning on my ballot in the congressional race uh, because we're, or we're whack and we don't have open primaries. Right. Um, but I don't believe in D versus R, left versus right. I don't believe um, in, in a whole host of dichotomies that we get caught up in thinking about. And, um, you know, the people who are have a more conservative to this approach, uh, approach to this issue will, you know, say, oh, it's a really small, tiny minority of people who maybe they're confused or maybe they, um, you know, are being a little narcissistic or any, any one of the arguments that frankly they're out there about how, you know, there are only two genders, right? Well, it's not a new idea to suggest that there are only, no. uh, that there are more than two genders. Uh, it's something that a lot of indigenous communities, uh, they have a term called two spirit, uh, here in the place we now call, uh, North America, um, where people who don't just embody one gender identity and uh, that have the spirit that is both feminine and masculine and whatever else there could be. Um, because, you know, sex is a biological thing and I'm biologically a male, um, but gender is basically a, a performance. It's a set of rules and ideas about what it is to be a man, a woman, a human being. Um, right. And so, but I'll tell you that, you know, I said that I would be the first LGBTQ mayor, uh, and that's, you know, people know that I'm bisexual, but only, I'm not like the most open about the fact that I'm non-binary, although I am open about it, um, but uh, I'm trying to get elected. <laughs> there are sure. a lot of people in the race that are running uh, to bring up specific issues, to try to uh, lay out a referendum against the leadership of the last four years or the last several decades even of the Eugene City Council. Um, but I want to win. And so uh, when here's people, where I, think, here's I, where I don't, I don't talk about it too much. And like, I let people call me he, him, and I don't get mad about it. <laughs> right. And here's where I think it's, it's something that people can relate to, even if they don't understand it. What mm -hmm. I wrote down on my notes, okay, is I wrote first mayor of color, first, first non-binary, uh, quote unquote, queer mayor. 
And yeah, in the whole no. U.S., I couldn't find yeah, anybody yeah. in a major city. And Oregon's like the 154th biggest city. It's not a major city. I think but that I there's could not one, find any. There's one trans person that has. Anyway, no. So that's there have the been point. trans mayors. There have been many okay. trans mayors. The first one was in Oregon, by the way. Yeah. First open trans I've mayor. I've watched, and people love him. And across party lines. Yeah, her. So that's what yeah. I was getting at. Her, sorry. No, no uh, So what I wrote down is rejecting gender norms. And I think you talked about that. It's really just rejecting this where you have to fall. And this is the part that. I wrote down that I think is really important being an individual, right? And I right. think in Eugene, Oregon, one thing that oh, we can on. all agree on is, is that we are all individuals. So one thing that I, I do, I want to at least reach out to people that might have more conservative views and look at this as a freedom issue. You mm. are free to think of Liberty. things the way that you want. You know what I mean? You are free to live your life the way that you choose. And so I, I mean, I have a lot of respect for that. And I, and I just wanted to touch on it again. It's not, it doesn't define who you are. The thing hmm. that younger generations understand that my age group and up don't, you know what I mean? It's cause it's hard with the pronouns. It's really difficult. I did a full episode about trans rights and that's a totally different issue because that's just one part of the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I talk, talked about the pronouns and stuff and it's so hard for me to wrap my head around because I haven't. I mean, when I was in high school, there was like one openly gay kid, which is right. insane, which is insane to think of. I can't imagine today where I don't think that there, you can't be openly straight at South Eugene high school and be accepted. No, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> everybody I believe is, oh, not everybody, but there's the number of openly bisexual people is very high. And I mm. think it's really cool because, you know, I have... I have been somebody that has pushed gender norms as well. Now I'm not going to put my, any label on myself. I mean, I'm in a straight relationship. I'm attracted to women, but that being said, you talk about nail polish, dude, women about, are hot. Right. You talk about <laughs> nail polish. You talk People about these in things. general are hot, but I yeah, just think yeah. that being, I, I've, I've, I've been somebody that is in, that is at least in tune with femininity. I've been inspired and raised primarily by women. My mom was a strong, independent woman you know, the, the, my girlfriend, the women that I'm attracted to have different qualities of femininity, but I have a ton of respect for women. So there's things that those qualities that you want to chauvinism and uh, masculinity is something that I reject as well. You mm. know, that I love sports, so don't get me wrong, but there's cold parts of the culture that I can't stand. So we could be here well, forever. Well, let me play contrarian a little bit because um, I'm sometimes I'm ultra specific with language. Um, but I don't reject masculinity as a construct. I, I, I think there's toxic there's, masculinity. There's a place, yeah, exactly. Toxic masculinity. And, and one of the things that I, the, the, you know, I see things from a lot of perspectives a lot of the time. Um, and so I, I, you know, I have criticisms of the, the woke left. Um, I, I, I have, I'm writing a book where I call uh, a lot of the people who I had negative experiences with in college, I call them the PSJL, the privileged social justice left. Um, and because you know, I, I tend to be in agreement with a lot of their goals, but not necessarily with, uh, with all of their tactics. Um, and the reason I mentioned that this up, this is because, you know, I was a teacher. So, you know, I had 14 and 15 year old kids. They were very few of them were white, uh, because it was, uh, New York city public schools. Um, but my point is that, you know, just, you know, there are historical privileges that, you know, straight cisgendered white, um, to, to traditionally Christian, men have inherited um and we we are building a more robust dialogue about what those things mean and how we can all use our privileges to build a better world um but i think that a lot of those people who are in that who are who have those identities um 
feel alienated right now. Um, and, you know, I mean, just look at mental health statistics, look at serial killers, look at uh, mass shootings. It tends to be some of those identities that I just mentioned. Um, and so when we when we the, when we outright white. reject reject or um, completely devalue the role of um, I guess a masculine identities that are also real just as my identity is real um, then we can sometimes do a disservice as well. Yeah, I have a ton of respect for you saying that because I think that gets lost. I think that people look at somebody for being the the oppressor and then they forget that that people that they're saying are oppressors are really powerless unless you give them power. Mm. <laughs> you know, mm. you know what I mean? And so, I mean, when we're talking about, when we're talking about citizens, we're not talking about government and, you know, we're not, we're not talking about systematic racism right now or, or, or systematic oppression. Mm. We're talking about just cultural, you know what I mean? You know, and I, those are different things to me, but I, I, I do, I do think that it's really cool that you can look at that perspective that, that in order to, maybe combat ignorance or hate or whatever you want to call it. The best way to do it is with love and with compassion, at least. I don't know. I, yeah. I've always felt like for me coming from that perspective of a white cis male, it's really difficult for me to navigate uh, how to address it because I want to listen more than speak, but I'm such a talker, <laughs> you know? And so I, hey, I, yeah, I, work, that's I cool. work things out in my mind, but anyway, we got on, on that a lot and you're a redhead too, right? Those redheaded guys are just da, 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 da. Yeah. I had a woman one time, I was at a bar and I had a woman one time say, you know, you're really intelligent. And I said, well, thank you. And she's like, I've never met an intelligent redhead before. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she said, I didn't know that redheads could be intelligent. And she was a black woman. And I was like, you're telling me that you think because of the color of my hair that it's going to affect my ability. And she's like, well, it's a compliment. And I'm like, it's still backwards, you know, anyway. Oh yeah. Those kinds <laughs> of, uh, what some would call microaggressions. They, they happen. I mean, I, you know, I was, I was having this great experience with somebody I had a romantic involvement with my freshman year of college. And, uh, you know, we started uh, making out and she said, I've never kissed an Asian guy before. And it's like, okay. I mean, cool you're you're excited about it you know and in a situation like that too um you don't want to interrupt the flow of a thing that's going that's positive sure um, but at the but at the same time it's like why is that worth mentioning you just went yeah. <laughs> no anyway uh, so so uh where are we at with time we got a little bit more time i want to yeah ask you before we get to the music part i want to ask you you know what is it that inspired you to, to want to run for mayor and what is it that you want to do you know that to Good. change I, I was hoping we would get to that um, because I have a whole lot of policy ideas. I was inspired a lot by Andrew Yang, who run a, ran a great and history-making campaign for president, and he had more policies on his website than just about anybody else. And so I have uh, hashtag 64 policy goals in eight pillars. Uh, it started out, as, started out as five, but then it grew to eight because they're just too many issues I care about, um, and those are education, mental health, business, housing, climate, art, history, and climate again. Um, so you can look up my eight-part plans uh, that I have uh, on my website for those issues. Um, but some of the biggest things that I would do um, are promote better uh, affordable housing options, uh, which is something the city and the county have been working together on in a sort of historical move. Um, there's been a lot of separation between those offices before, and um, now there's a lot more collaboration. Um, and I wanted to really listen to the business community. Um, and the, the role of mayor really is to bring different stakeholders and people from different communities together in conversation, 
honestly. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of business uh, owners and, and small business people who feel unfairly demonized by, um, let's say, like hardline anti-capitalist rhetoric that therefore assumes that if you employ people that you are exploiting people. That's not something I agree with. Um, and then also there is, you know, this, basically I'm setting up this, this, this argument. I don't need to go into it too much where um, the homeless community is pitted against the business community. And that is just something we need to break down. Absolutely. So that's one of the biggest things I would do. You know, I was given an award by the Eugene chamber of commerce, uh, the future first citizen award. It's like the, 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 the schmooziest award they give to high schoolers in Eugene. And they only give it to one high school senior a year. And uh, uh, big shouts to my sister because she got nominated and she didn't win it her year. But then I, I came around and won it two years later. I'm sure that felt good. Yeah. Oh, and it always feels good. feels good. Yeah. Um, and so I have a real deep um, relationship and, and respect for the business community. Um, and, you know, my little news platform I've been running and my studio is operated in some ways like a small business. Um, and I have plans to own a small ramen shop um, called Rapa Ramen, a hip hop ramen shop in the future. Oh, cool. Um, but we got to get a lot of, we, everything else has to be squared away before then. Um, sure. But, you know, I also have a deep connection and longstanding uh, love and respect for the homeless community and unhoused community in Eugene. So, um, you know, people can look at my website, look at all the policies that I support. You can reach out to me. I've had a lot of great emails from people who are like, I'm really excited to vote for you, but make sure I want to make sure that you, you know, your views on this uh, house bill are aligned with mine. Um, and sometimes my views are not, and I'm honest about that. And then they don't email back and it's like, Oh, I lost sure. a voter, but at least I was being honest. Um, so I have a, I have a lot of plans and uh, I have a lot of credibility and a lot of experience that I'm glad you've given me the chance to talk about now, uh, even though I'm just doing it in a broad general way. And I look forward to, uh, I really hope somebody, I hope somebody reaches out to me from this. And uh, I think they will. I mean, on those I'm asking right anybody that's listening to this, if you've made it this far, wherever you're listening or watching it, please share this video because we need to get the word out. It's May 16th, I think is the, was when ballots are due back in. May 19th. It's May 19th. I don't know. I say, I always say three days earlier than whatever the date is yeah. <laughs> so, that, so that you yeah. can make sure that it happens. No. Yeah. But well, anyway, in those, in those last hours, I was even telling people May 18th for a lot of this campaign, because I know that if I tell everybody to vote on May 18th, there's going to be a bunch of my friends who don't do it. And then on the 19th, I'm like, gotcha. The you reality really is that now. nobody knows what day it is anyway right now. So, it, so well, when towards the ballot, end, you can't even mail them in. You got to just go to one right. of the ballot When you get your ballot boxes. that day, fill it out, send it in. That's what you do. But, you know, Thomas, this is really cool to get to talk to you. If you're listening or you're watching this, in the show notes, there's a link, huda2020.org. And definitely check that out. There was You talked about your eight policy points. Uh, what, mm. what did you call it? Your eight. Eight yeah, pillar issues. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it said on your website the 28th that they were going to be updated on April 28th. Mm. So that's probably oh, something yeah. you today unless it's already been launched. Yes, absolutely. So, so anyway, <laughs> thanks so, for noticing that. Yeah. Um, some of it's been updated, but yeah, today's the 29th and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hustling my butt off to get everything in there. Because let me also say this is a primary campaign where I believe I can make the top two without any help. So I've been doing that. I'm an independent spirit. I've been running this campaign basically all by myself turning away people who want to be my campaign coordinator and manager and, you know, fundraising help. And I don't take any money. Um, it's all self-funded by my own less than four figure dollar budget that I put into it. Um, and then what we need to do is uh, there are a lot of 
awesome challengers who I've befriended and uh, everybody wants to get behind whoever the, the ultimate um, challenger to the mayor is. And we're going to grow the team a lot. But really, I'm just saying that to say that uh, I've been doing a lot of stuff on my own uh, for now, and I'm really excited to see what the vote total looks like. Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. I, I'm I'm in your corner now. One thing I have to say is I live in Springfield, so I'm not going to endorse. I think that there's a lot of candidates, but if I was in Eugene, I think it would be a, I think you would get my vote after this little conversation. And and you know, thank you. And even though not all all the eight part plans for each of the eight pillars are not totally on the website yet, but there are multiple policies for each of those eight pillars. So you can see definitely where I'm coming from. Oh yeah. And that already puts me ahead of pretty much everybody in the race in terms of how much policy depth I've put out there. Yeah. I think you've done a lot of good with the website. I definitely encourage anybody listening to check that out. So we had mentioned music and this is where you and I have a little bit of a crossover, um, you know, this, this podcast for anybody that doesn't know, and this is episode number 75 of the spent the rent podcast. So I started That's this an because, awesome number. Thanks for letting me do it. Yeah. So spent the rent records was my made up record label. <laughs> and I started it because I spent my rent money to buy a microphone. And that's how this whole thing evolved into being a podcast and all that. And that's where it started from. And so we have a lot of crossover with people that we are familiar with good friends with. I haven't done a lot of music with the crew that you run with, but I've, I've kind of been on the outskirts of it. Sammy warm hands, cerebral cortex uh, reaction. Re- yeah. These, these local MCs, it, Eugene is such a, has such a plethora of unique hip hop artists that mm. are lyrical that are, you know, con- just amazing content, good delivery, mm. pretty good production quality, you know, just really unique. And so <laughs> I like that everything was totally unfettered and untainted. And then you're like pretty good production quality. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't I listen mean- to your from the dead album and it was mixed really well. Right. And that recently came out on Spotify. And the, the very first thing that sticks out to me because I have a background in audio engineering is, does this mix sound good? Even more than what the ideas are that are being communicated by the artist. And it's yeah, kind of the, hindrance. the guy that helps me mix those. Uh, I mean, he adds the finishing touches. Hopefully we can, we've had a little bit of a falling out. So hopefully we fix that. Cause he's an incredible Shit happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had no, a bunch no. of falling outs. When, the when you, when you We're work rolling. with Pat, when you work with passion, when you on passionate things constantly, sometimes it, it gets the better of you. That's a different story, and I don't want to get into it. But anyway, so we're gonna play a song, and I want you to tell us a little bit about it. So your MC name is Gradient. What does that mean to you? Um, it's something that I was saw when I was like thinking about bicycling and the grade of hills, um, and. I later kind of retroactively liked the name even more because it's it's kind of like the word spectrum. It's like it's a math term, but really like, you know, the gradient tool on Photoshop, right? You know, the yeah, yeah. smooth transition between red and blue and there's all the purples in between. And that's just how I experience the world. You know, yeah, that's, that's, kind of what that's, I that's yeah. Cool. So, so I, I, I like the idea that, you know, I can, I can uh, understand and, and uh, have elements of a lot of different, you know, cultures and experiences and identities. I've, I've been forced to have that as a bi, biracial person, you know, sure, what the hell is race as a construct? You know, are there five right. of them or six of them? But you know, what am I for being mixed? So um, that's, that's why I got the name gradient and I, and I continue to like the name, even though if you go to Spotify, you have to search gradient ambition because I only have one album on there and there's like two or three other artist named gradient and we're all yeah, that's always painful same, i couldn't annoying. believe so I, I changed my name recently from from my stage name from self-esteem boat willie to patty rose They're patty rose i know patty rose those because everyone calls me patty and rose is my mom's name and it was just more me you know and i just wanted to go in that direction and it was really hard yeah. because i have like seven albums or something under my old name 
but nice uh, yeah that is hard i couldn't believe that there was no music under the name patty rose i just couldn't believe it mm. i was like yes I, I need to lock this up that was because you know once like, like you said it's painful when you have artists with names that's why nobody there's no self-esteem boat willie there's no other one but uh certain <laughs> names that people think of some guy in norway is like what the fuck right i remember <laughs> i remember i remember i'm actually really big in norway so that wouldn't happen but i remember no i remember sweden uh, is a different story go yeah, on i remember in high school there was a kid that was a graph writer and he wrote ludicrous and i was like yeah you can't use that name i mean it's kind of it's used he's like i had it first and i'm like i think you've lost <laughs> and you were like move dude. yeah Get yeah out the way. i wonder if that woman ever got out of the way though anyway no so we're gonna end this with the song Rumor like has we, it she's still in the way today. she's still in the way dude so uh we're gonna end this like i like do. to imagine that it was a guy let's say that sorry go on yeah it's bitch just, is a definitely as a as a broad term you can use it for everyone but yeah and i've never used it in a rap song i've never used i don't cuss in my music very often i've said I've said the F word twice in songs. One time was about 9-11 and one was about Donald Trump. Seriously. Nice. In so, the voter anyway, pamphlet, I wrote that I'm a musician and I've said stream gradient ambition for inclusive Eugene hip hop. Because nice. I wanted to mention that I'm a hip hop, but it's not like, you know, all this really, I don't know, the content that people somewhat racistly ascribe to what hip hop means when they think about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Their, just in hip hop and rap are different things too. There's a, we could be here forever sure. to talk about that. We'll have an episode where we'll just get real deep into your music. At least and today, for people who enjoyed this, you're going to be on my podcast uh, eventually as well. We're not. That doing is it true. All I'm going to be but... a guest on the Less Stupid Podcast, and that'll be cool because it's it it's fun to have the questions thrown at you instead of the opposite. So so we're going to end this and get out of here. Uh, we're going to end it with a song. This is a song I chose because of the title because it's called Rainy Day, and I mean anyone in Eugene knows about a rainy day. So, oh, there yeah. we go. There we, there we go. So, uh, there's a feature on the song. Tell us about the song a little bit. What we'll, we'll get into it. I love Hala Muhammad. She's a uh, person who I met in college who was a poet, and she's got bars. But uh, she came in the studio and just did like a quick. She had to go to a party, and her friends were drunkenly texting her and like be like, "Yo, when are you gonna come out?" And and she was like, "Hold up, I'm doing this poem." So she does a mini poem at the end of the song. That's awesome. um, that she wrote in the studio. But um, the song is about my upbringing and how much I love Eugene. My first uh, mixtape was called Blackberries and Bike Rides. And the first track, uh, I, it's all about those are the views that I experienced on the, on the bike path along Willamette River. Yeah. Um, and uh, I kind of redid that with when I made a full-length studio album and talked about what it was like growing up in Eugene with my family and uh, what Eugene's all about. That's cool. So this is Rainy Days by Thomas Huda, a.k.a. Gradient. Thomas, thanks a lot. It's great meeting you. Thanks, Patty. Take it easy. I'm not gonna, not gonna, not gonna wait for the beat to hit before I can spit Cause I've waited my entire life for this Writing this felt nice, it did, but it feels better to be reciting this I exist in life to try and fly as high as I can get Strive to just inspire minds of guys who might be liking it I'd liken it to a medicine Kill pain like Vicodin Rap game didn't want to let us in, but it'll get a lot better once I get in I got a mic and a pen and a mic go and go psycho quite like Michael did Or I might just write flows honestly When I'm on the beat, that's what my goal is So I must confess to feeling blessed that you are hearing this my only goal in rap is to reflect on my experience I testify that weirder kids can best the finest lyricists I step farther than stepfathers of Potter Yeah, I'm serious 
Deliriously spitting sicker than a myriad of punks And I can punctuate a line without a period I spit it correct and stay calm on the beat Like I'm Tom the grammar officer, comma police Okay, computer saying I should stop the dated references Optimize my album quality with data sets and shit Nah, I say the things I wanna say My weapon is the authenticity that's often missing when they're repping shit hundred forty days a year it rains in my hometown I'm grateful every day that I was raised in my hometown Eugene, Oregon a little insane and far from the humdrum Hope you don't get bored but I want to explain about where I come from Constant cloudy climate say goodbye to your dumb umbrella Cause daily showers here are not a conundrum I'm from pizza drivers too high to deliver And I'm from picking blackberries on the side of the river And I'm from often being asked real politely by a guy on the street If I'll provide a dollar so he and his wife get to eat Unspoken poverty, got a lot of folks not owning property But I don't want to focus on showing awful things There's a lot that grow and taught to me People want that dough monopoly But don't want the battle, the burns and scars Shout out to my family Cause they showed me the value of working hard In the backyard past the sunset Dad made us work till we ask are we done yet Mom working every night to feed us food And my sis taught me to succeed in school Clouds overhead but it's okay Never be afraid of a rainy day Just seek that goal that you have before you Cause nobody's gonna grab it for you When no one else will for you, will for you, thunderclaps. A shower of praises till you crack. A blue sky missing sun. Storm, whether or not they see you, wet faces. With your rainy day words, you strike pain and never let up. The will to will for you, whatever they won't, they won't. Now I'm definitely messing up, you know I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs>